Will you pray with me, please? In these next few minutes, oh Lord, as we um, really focus in on your word, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, our minds would be clear, that our hearts would be open, that our souls would be ready to receive, and then in so doing, we would be transformed into the people that you want us to be on this day and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, we've already looked at several psalms this morning, and I want to look at another one, Psalm 126. And Psalm 126 is from um, a group of psalms uh, from the people of Israel's literature um, that were known as Songs of Ascent. And so this psalm is actually a song, uh, as we have sung this morning, praise song after praise song after praise song of God's bounty and blessing and for our gratitude for all that he's given to us. So you can imagine uh, the people of Israel marching toward the temple in Jerusalem and singing these words uh, in this psalm of ascent. There were many psalms of ascent. This is one of them, of God's people praising him for his provision in their life. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying the sheaves with them. A song of ascent. Thanksgiving is about remembering, right? Um, Greg kind of referred to that today at some point in time. Maybe you've already done it this morning. Maybe you'll do it a little bit later today. Maybe some of you have this formalized, you know, everybody's got to go around the table. Before you can eat anything, somebody's got to say everything that they you know, are thankful for. And then you hate the family members who pause and wait. And, Come on, let's go. We got dinner waiting while you're thinking about what you're thankful for. Just say me. Oh, I didn't mean to give you a replay of our dinner table. But, um... <laughs> It's about remembering, and, and we're going to remember things, right? Maybe vacations, maybe jobs that we've procured, maybe um, great starts in school. I know we got a lot of college kids who have returned today, and you've gotten off to a great start in school, and you're, you're grateful and thankful for that opportunity. Um, for all the different things for which we can give thanks, we are going to remember. It's a time to remember. I've been reading um, presidential proclamations on Thanksgiving Day for about 30 years in ministry, and my favorite part of every proclamation is the part that I get to read where I, Barack Obama. You know, I'm just waiting. If we have a female president, I'm going to have trouble. I have to get somebody else to read it, but all of these presidential proclamations for 30 years that I've been reading have one thing in common. And the one thing they have in common is that they all ask us to remember. And Thanksgiving in our national history always takes us back to the very beginning, right? to that time that we read about this morning in this presidential proclamation of, of pilgrims landing as settlers, many who didn't make it. When they landed, they had already lost family members and friends. They suffered through a harsh winter, disease, 
took many of their lives. They made it to the spring. They learned how to plant crops. They harvested and they celebrated with the indigenous people. We're called to remember when President Washington declared Thanksgiving Day, he wanted our nation to celebrate the providence of Almighty God. And when President Lincoln urged a nation that was embroiled in a horrible civil war to celebrate Thanksgiving, which seemed a little oxymoronic to them at the time, he wanted to commend to God's tender care the most affected by violence in that war. People are called to remember. And the Thanksgiving tradition can be traced way back past our Thanksgiving traditions in the United States, all the way back to the beginning of the nation of Israel, where the people of Israel were given a promised land, and God said, you know, don't forget, remember me. Remember me when you get there. You're going to be prone to forget, because you're going to prosper in such a way that you're going to think you did it all by yourselves, but remember me. Remember me in worship, remember me around the table, remember me. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. The Israelites were remembering that God had done this in the past. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. So it was a remembering, it was a celebrating and people noticed that the Israelites were different and they gave thanks to God for everything they had and the nations were paying attention. Thanksgiving is all about remembering and we remembered this morning, right? Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices who wondrous things has done. We're remembering what he has done in our lives in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love. And still is our today. We're remembering. We're recalling. We're giving thanks for the blessings that God has provided in the past. Now God's people are always encouraged to remember. But, but not always in the sense that we remember. It's not... You know, where you sit around the campfire at night and say, hey, remember the good old days? Remember when this happened? Remember when that happened? And you just kind of live in the past. Not that kind of remembering. God's people were always encouraged to remember in a different way, a unique way, a way in which you remembered things from the past and carried those lessons that you learned into the future and into the present, right? And the present and the future. So you remembered what happened only so that you could take those lessons and apply them to your life. So, some of you may recall that when Jesus spent the last few hours with his disciples, he instituted what we call the Lord's Supper, and there's this phrase in there that sometimes just slips right past us, right? Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus was saying, remember me. Don't just think about what it was like when you were with me when I was alive and long for those good old days, but remember me. Remember the lessons I taught? Remember the compassion I displayed? Remember the grace that I gave? Remember the fact that I love you and others? Remember all those lessons and apply them in your life today so that other people will notice and be drawn to me. The psalmist was writing these words when Israel was in the midst of some difficult time in her history. We're not sure exactly 
What was going on in the life of Israel when Psalm 126 was written? It may have been another political problem. It could have been that the people were in captivity once again. It could have been a time when they have distanced themselves from God and chased after counterfeit God. It could have been during a famine. It could have been them living in great poverty. But having remembered what God had done in the past, they prayed. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the negative. God, you've done it in the past. We need you to do it now. It's symbolic language. The negative is this section of Israel that is just dry and desolate and nothing but sand. We'd call it a desert. There was no water to be seen anywhere. There was no greenery. There were no trees. There were no crops. Nothing was going to be grown. It was just desolate. Nobody lived in the negative. But the image is that we know how powerful God has been. And we need you to be that powerful in our lives again. So you could, you could do something miraculous like, like creating streams, like, like bringing water to the negative. We, we believe that you can do that because you've done it in the past. And now, oh Lord, we are asking, we are praying that you will do it again. If God could enable new world settlers with little food to survive a horrible winter, to befriend natives, to plant crops, have a bountiful harvest, he can do almost anything, right? And the world in which we live has a lot of difficulties. We're all a little bit on edge because of terrorism. There's political unrest in many nations and around the world, including our own. People are living with famine every day. We'll sit around a table with way too much food. And there are some that would hope to have any. There's a lack of regard for human life. There's poverty. There's homelessness. God has helped people overcome these things in the past. And as we remember that God has helped them overcome, he calls us to pray. And maybe he calls us to pray this prayer that, that Paul gives to Timothy in the first letter that he writes to him. I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. All people. Not just people like us. Not just people in this sanctuary. Not just people who live in DuPage County. Not just people who live in Chicago. Not just people who live in that For all people. Not just people who share our religion. But, but prayers be offered for all people. For all people, Paul says. For kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Remembering God's goodness and provision in our lives leads to prayer. Remembering how God has acted on our behalf in the past and trusting him to do it again is called faith. So no matter what we are facing now, no matter what we are struggling with, things can change. God is the master of transformation. He can take the most unlikely candidates for change and transform them completely. There is a story of Joseph in the Old Testament who was so hated by his brothers that they sold him into slavery. He got a job as a slave and working for Pharaoh and his family. He rose to the top and then got put in prison because of false accusations against them. And his hope was shattered. And yet God brought him out of prison 
became the Secretary of State and became the very person that his family and the nation of Israel came to when they were starving. That's the kind of transformation that God can make in people's lives. Or how about Esther? The people of Israel living in captivity, unknown woman. The king decides to have a beauty pageant to find a wife. Esther didn't want any part of being in this, but her uncle encouraged her to do so. She got into the beauty pageant, and she won. She was chosen as queen. And it's because of that that she was able to intervene and save the entire nation of Israel. Or Jesus taking a woman who was possessed by seven demons who had absolutely no hope in her life, was ostracized from society and made her the model of faithfulness. This woman, Mary Magdalene. The psalmist writes it this way, those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The planting of seeds... In the nation of Israel, the sowing of crops was a time of grieving. You put the seeds into the ground. You buried them. And as you did so, you wept. Because now, you lost control. You gave up everything. You had no more power and no more influence over what was going to happen. You were turning them over to God for His provision. And so people wept and cried. Literally, during the planting of seeds. But in the fall, when you harvested a crop, you sang songs of joy because God provided. And God is the God who turns grief into joy, right? When Jesus died on the cross, his closest friends, his faithful followers, wept. The world went completely dark. And all hope was lost. And people grieved. Until three days later. When the tomb was empty. When Jesus had defeated death, our greatest enemy. You see, God is the God of transformation. Now, you can't get to Easter without going through Good Friday. Sometimes we have to die to certain things so they can really come alive. And that's what the Thanksgiving transformation is all about. Sometimes jobs have to be left behind so that we can come alive in a new one. Sometimes relationships have to left, be left behind so that we can come alive in a new one. Sometimes traditions have to die so that we can come alive again. Sometimes pain and anger and bitterness and hatred have to die so that we can be set free and live lives of thanksgiving. And so when the people of Israel went to worship and they sang this song of ascent, what they were really doing was encouraging us to remember, to pray, to let some things die so that God can bring us new life and we can give him thanks. And that, you see, is... You know, this Thanksgiving transformation, God can change anything. Amen? Let's pray together.
So, Lord, we would um, be honest to say that sometimes holidays are difficult for some of us. We're encouraged to give thanks, but we can't find the energy within us or the willingness to do so. And so if there are people here this morning who feel that way, we just pray the anointing and blessing of your Holy Spirit into their hearts and minds that allow them to celebrate. Help us to celebrate all your good gifts, O Lord. And to remember that what really changes people and lives is your Holy Spirit. And that you listen and answer our prayers. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So um, this is the time in our service where we do give thanks to God in tangible ways through symbols that we give. Um, through our tithes and our offerings, and so the deacons and ushers are going to wait upon us uh, while we do so. Uh, also, a little heads up that we would, uh, our offertory song is going to be congregational participation. If you'd like to sing in a walk-up choir and sing uh, Rudders for the Beauty of the Earth, as soon as I sit down, as soon as I start to walk off the platform, scurry to the platform, and choir members will make sure you have music, and we'll um, sing that song as part of our offering as well. Let's continue to worship God together. Mm -hmm. 